Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. And that's what I want to share this morning. And it's an old message. It's, it's the same old boring strokes <laughs> that I love to share. And uh, it's something that, that Mark and I know Mark's and Terry's hearts have been in this for years and years. But Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the good old Great Commission says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Can we just pray together? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity and the blessing it is to be in this host, in this house, Father God, a place that you established even before the foundation of the earth, God. You established life in the sun right here where it is, God, and we thank you for that, Lord. And the purposes, plans that you have for this, the vision that you have for this house, Father God, the leaders that you brought to this house for this season, Lord. And there is a purpose and a plan and a vision that you have specifically for them for them to fulfill from this island into the islands, into the nations, Father, into, Father God, the rest of the world, Father. We just ask this morning that you speak to us as we look into your great commission this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everyone doing all right? Greet the person next to you again. Say, I'm so glad you're here. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you know the Gospels? The Gospels were the place where the Great Commission started. Let me open this up again. That's what I get for my technology. (laughs) Jesus gave the disciples the Great Commission. Now, this wasn't just a, an ordinary little commission. This was the great commission. And a commission is basically a formal choosing, a formal choosing someone to do a special work. We have a friend named Morris Tan, and he's a, he's a lawyer. He's a, a, a college professor out in Chicago. And uh, actually, one day the, the FBI came to my office and uh, were interviewing me and asking me about Morris and saying, what kind of a guy is he? And I said, well, he's okay. You know, I, he was in our international group. I, I was the international pastor at this church in Florida, and, and he was part of our group and great family and everything. And he said to me that right now they were checking on Morris because he was applying to be, and let me get it for you, he was applying to be the ambassador at large for, criminal, for global criminal justice for the United States. And I said, oh, really? That's quite a big position, you know? It's a great commissioning. And uh, so uh, uh, it's been a year now, and, and they, he's been going through the process. And just the other day, I got, a word, I got an email that said that he had been confirmed. Morristown has been confirmed by the United States Senate to be the ambassador at large for global criminal justice and moving his family to Washington, D.C. He's going to be working with President Trump and the Secretary of State Pompeo 
in dealing with human rights issues all over the world. What a commission. Can you imagine that? But you know, our commission is even greater. I was thinking about Morris's commission. I thought, oh, that's nothing. <laughs> that's nothing. You're part of the great commission. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're part of the great commission. You have been commissioned by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So much bigger. After the Gospels, the, the book of Acts came and showed that even without Jesus, the disciples carried on that mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then at the end of Acts, and it's interesting, it's Acts chapter 28. Remember, Matthew 28 is where the Great Commission came from. This is Acts chapter 28. Just a, a time later, our brother Paul is still passionately declaring to everyone that Jesus had come and he was continuing to make plain what Jesus taught. He was moving the mission forward. Today, that mission is ours. And it's been passed on to us as followers of God and the part of the same church. Now, this is called the Missio Day. Okay, I've been doing a little, I know I'm getting a little ed education. And so I heard about this Missio Day. And that's what we're a part of. Missio Day is basically means the mission of God. Okay, someone said that the church does not have a mission. It's not a mission program. It's not just us sending missionaries. But the mission, the Missio Dei, God's mission, has a church. It, it kind of changes it. It says that the Trinity, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, have been, for, before all of time, have been wanting to redeem all of creation back to themselves. So what did they do? The Father sent who? He sent the Son. And then the Son and the Father sent the Holy Spirit in the power of the Holy Spirit. Who was sent then? The church was sent. And so God is asking us and asking us to join this mission that He is the one that established. You know, so often we think, okay, I'm going to be in mission. So we're going to do this mission program and we're going to send these missionaries. We're going to feed these people. But that's not it. What it is, is God is already on mission. We have a God that is on mission, and he's just saying, hey, John, Mark, Terry, join me. John, join me in this mission that I have. The reason why this is so important is that we don't control this mission. We're not in control of the mission of God. But the mission of God is actually in control of this church and what it's doing. And so how do we do this? First of all, we're going to go back to the time when Paul, he was heading to Rome because he was going to be in prison. He was actually going to his death uh, for preaching the gospel. He was on a ship going through the, the Mediterranean. They got shipwrecked. You know, a, a snake bit him. All these things. You know, he went from the frying pan into the fire. And then he ends up in Rome. And he's attached to a Roman soldier. He was handcuffed to a Roman soldier. Every day, this guy walked around with him. And he had, when he slept, this guy slept next to him. And when he went over there, when he went to the toilet, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Roman soldier was probably car carrying the toilet paper. You know, I mean, he was going everywhere with this guy. 
But Paul, even in the midst of these trying, difficult circumstances, continued to move because he joined the mission of God. He continued to move this mission forward. And in Acts chapter 28, verse 17, it says, After three days in Rome, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. Even in the midst of his circumstances, he was calling even the Jews, his own people together, to share the gospel. He was deliberately gathering people to share the gospel. And so the first thing we need to do to fulfill this Missio Day is we need to be deliberate. We need to be deliberate. I went into your, uh, your website. I don't know if you know this. You have a website. <laughs> and there is a vision that is shared about life in the sun. Life in the sun. Our vision. I love this. Our vision is to plant a vibrant church on every Micronesian island. I don't know if you have to change this, but I love this vision. Our vision is to plant a vibrant church on every Micronesian island. And I, I love this little addendum. With a commercial airstrip. When I was in, when I was in youth with a mission in Saipan, one of our visions was to have a sailboat ministry. We were going to have these warm craft from New Zealand. And I actually went to New Zealand to, to check out the design and everything. And we were going to sail these boats up to, the, to Polynesia and around Micronesia and everything. It never happened, but it was a great vision. <laughs> we shared the gospel in many places, but we never did get our trimarans, you know, our warm craft out to Micronesia. But I love this. At least you guys will have a commercial airstrip on each of those islands. I don't know if you're supposed to put those in, but our local multicultural congregation, which is also deliberate, it's not just among Chamorros or Filipinos or Chiquis or Yapis or Palauans or just certain, multi, uh, certain cultures, but our multicultural, our local multicultural congregation stewards a specific mission to number one, youth culture. That's a very deliberate people group, the youth culture. Number two, the college student. That's very deliberate. And the families of Guam, what better part, what better place to share the gospel than the families. The family keeps this island together. I remember when I was single and um, I, I was at another church and uh, this young man came around. <clears throat> I, had, I had also been in missions and I was... Uh, I happened to be home, and this young man came around, and he was actually asking for a partnership. You know, would you get behind me in my vision to reach the island and reach Micronesia? And uh, as I, I, I really was impressed with this guy, and so we actually spent time outside the church and started talking. And you know who this was? This was Pastor Mark. This was many years, how many years ago was that, Mark? I remember the first, he was even single, I think, at that time. The 35 years ago, we first met. He was deliberately, deliberately looking for partners so that he could reach the islands and reach the nations for Christ. And I was so excited. I mean, it still burns in his heart. Still burns in his heart. And look at that right now. This pastor of yours had a deliberate call to reach the campus, University of Guam, campuses in Asia, in the nations. And so... It's happened, Mark. It's happening, and more and more. Deliberate. 
In 2020, we have to be deliberate. I have to be more deliberate in my being part of the Missio Dei, that great mission of God. In verse 24, as Paul was sharing with these, with these Jewish leaders, it says here, some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Some will believe and some won't. Paul preached the gospel from morning to night. I, I remember being in a couple of the uh, restricted access nation churches like in China and Vietnam. I remember one time I took a team from New Zealand to Vietnam and uh, they were all white so they couldn't come with me because we were going to the underground church. So I had to go alone and the guy said, put this cap on, you know, and, and uh, so we went on a motorcycle, I went with this guy, and we went to all these back roads, and then got into this little building, and he said, don't talk English, okay, just, shh. you gotta be, you know, and so we went up there, and I got to share, uh, share a little bit with a, a group of Vietnamese who were meeting clandestinely, hiding from the police, and doing this, but, you know, you have to be ready, because you could be there morning to evening, you know, you don't just bring just one sermon. You've got to make sure you've got lots to share because they're hungry and they're desirous to learn more and more of the Word of God. This is in China. This is in Vietnam. They'll stay there all night and day just to hear the Word. Some will believe. Some will doubt. But he was persistent in spite of the time that it takes. He preached to anyone who would listen. Anyone who would listen. In my... Uh, and so... I'm sorry, this point is we do have to be persistent. We have to be persistent in sharing the gospel. I have a men's group in, um, I had a men's group in the town that uh, we were living in. And uh, so I gathered some guys and we, we, we met, met at Dunkin' Donut. I, I used to call it Dunkin' Donut for some reason. I think in the Philippines they call it Dunkin' Donut. So the, the American guys would say to me, John, I think there's more than one donut, you know? I think it's Dunkin' Donuts. We'll meet at Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, so we'll meet at Dunkin' Donuts, so the guys would come. We'd meet at Dunkin' Donuts. And um, there was one guy that was, uh, would come sporadically, and the, they were really sharing the gospel with him. And his name was Idris. <clears throat> now, what's interesting about Idris was he was a Kurd. He was Kurdish. He was a Muslim. Uh, had nothing to do with Jesus, but these guys kept sharing the gospel, persistently sharing the gospel. They worked together in the factory that they all worked in, and then they would come, they'd invite Idris, so several weeks he came. They kept sharing the gospel, he still couldn't understand. Then one day, I just, I, I heard a story, and God gave me a story for, for the group, and as I was sharing, I told him the story of an anthill. There was a bunch of ants in an anthill, and over here, there was a big anteater, and he was, he was going to go get the ants in the anthill. And so the little ants didn't know anything. You know, they were kind of oblivious and didn't know what was happening. But there was this guy that came along, whoops, this guy that came along, and he saw the anteater, and he thought, uh-oh, I better warn these ants. So he went to the anthill, and he was shouting at them, hey, there's an anteater, going to get you. And you know, they saw this giant-looking guy, and of course their response was, ah, you know, ah, you know, it's like they were scared of him. So how could the, how could the man warn the ants? And there was only one way, 
And I know this is a silly story. <laughs> These are a bunch of, you know, brawling men. But I was sharing this story, and I said, you know what? That man had to become an ant himself. He went to the anthill and started saying, you know, I, I was an ant, but I was a man, but uh, I just want to warn you, now that I can speak your language, now that you're not scared of me, there is an ant eater coming. Can you send people, show them there's an ant eater coming. It's going to destroy your anthill. They believed him, and they all escaped, and they were saved. You know, that one day that I shared that story, it, I could tell Idris' eyes just, you know, it was like that. Just everything popped open suddenly. He said, he said to me, John, now I understand why God had to become a man. And he gave his life to Jesus that day. Idris came to Christ. But that's not, what's cool is what God was already doing in Idris' life. You know, Idris, when he came to our group, the first thing he found out was, one, number one, I was from Guam. I was from Guam. And he told me that when he had to escape with his family from northern Iraq, he actually landed right here in Guam on back road to Anderson. I mean, I'm telling you, this guy was so excited when he found out I was from Guam. He said, uh, I love Guam. We used to try to get coconuts from the trees, you know, and we used to have a great time with the local folks, you know, and we just, I just, I want to go back to your island. I love your island. And it was like God had already been preparing this little Muslim Kurd from northern Iraq to meet this little brown Filipino wife, guy from Guam in Dunkin' Donut, you know, <laughs> and share the gospel so that Idris could come to him. But it took the persistence of all these guys that were sharing the gospel with him. And so I just want to share that we need to be persistent, 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 persistent in sharing the gospel with those that God is calling us to. Just one, one more story, if that's okay. Also from the Muslim world, I, I was talking to our our leader, uh, we were working together in the Philippines, and he was telling me of a story about one of our Bangladesh churches. A young man had come to Christ, and uh, this young man was just turned on fire for Jesus. And this is a Muslim country, you got to remember. He put the gospel on his door so that people would know he was now a Christian. Well, what Michael was telling me was that every day he had an appointment. He would go to the local university, and he would share the gospel with the students there on Tuesday. And they would come out and there would be guys that would just beat him. They beat him with pipes and chains and kicked him. And, and he would just, but he continued to share the gospel. I'm sure some came to the Lord, but he got beat up every week on Tuesday. And then he would wait for another week. He'd heal up, making sure he was okay so he could walk around. And he'd go back on Tuesday again. Share the gospel. Get beat up. Heal up for a week. Next Tuesday, that's his appointment. He would go into the university, share the gospel. Is that persistence or what? I was thinking, man, I am not a Christian when, when I hear things like that from, our, from, the, from the field. But we need to be persistent. 
in sharing the gospel. The last thing in Acts chapter 28, verse 28. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Remember, Paul was sharing with Jewish leaders, okay? Now, when he's talking about the Gentiles, sharing with the Gentiles, these guys were pretty angry after that. I mean, they were upset. They spit on him. They were just ready to, you know, to get rid of Paul. Because, and I, was, I, I went, did some reading, and found out that in, the, in one of the Jewish prayer books, especially for men, sorry ladies, you have to excuse the situation, but there is a statement in there that says that Jewish males were to pray this prayer. Thank you, Lord, God, Jehovah. Thank you that I was not born a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. That was their prayer. That was a Jewish male's prayer. Number one, the worst, I don't want to be a Gentile. Don't let me be a Gentile. Don't me- Thank you that I'm not a slave. Thank you that I'm not a woman. So you can understand all these natural prejudices that were already there. And yet, we are called to preach the gospel inclusively. So this last point is we need to be inclusive, which means that this includes the people we don't like. This includes the people we hesitate to preach to. This includes the people who don't smell very nice. I remember when I started in in missions, one of my places that I had to serve was in Smoky Mountain Dump in Manila. And I think uh, Filipinos kind of know about this big dump. It's a huge dump that was put there by the U.S. military after the World War, World War II. It's a, it's a huge mountain of garbage, just garbage. And it's right next to the o- ocean there in Manila Bay. And it has spontaneous combunch, combustion happening all the time. So it's called Smoky Mountain. It smells amazing, you know. I've, I've wanted to bring, I've wanted to can that smell just to describe what Smoky Mountain is. I've wanted to can that smell and just open it up in the, in the congregation, just so you know. <laughs> but we won't, I don't have that. <laughs> this includes people who don't smell very nice. When we went to Smoky, I know uh, friends established a church there. We, we shared the gospel, and it was amazing. People came to Christ. Actually, actually it, it was interesting, I... I was in Vietnam one time, and we were uh, taking Bibles into Vietnam along with a group from New Zealand. And then, then we did prayer walking, sharing the gospel in the university and, and that. I was walking along the street one day with the team, and this young man came up to me and started shaking me and said, Kuya John, Kuya John, it's me. I looked at him and said, who are you? And I recognized him and said, okay, we can't be loud here. <laughs> we better go inside. We went into the hotel. And he said, this is, it's me. This is, uh, uh, I'm, I'm Anthony. And I said, Anthony, you, you're the guy from Smoky Mountain. He was a young student on Smoky Mountain that we shared the gospel with, came to Christ, got discipled, actually went and did some training in Australia and was leading a team of Australians to Vietnam to share the gospel and take Bibles. He's from Smoky Mountain. He lived with a bunch of guys in a, in a little, little shack there on Smoky Mountain where he came from, came to Christ. So, you know, during those days, would I have shared the gospel with this young man who smelled like garbage? 
Well, we did. And he brought the beautiful fragrance of the gospel to Vietnam and Asia. Still loves God. Still loves God. My brother, my, uh, my uh, brother knows him very well. This includes people who think and talk weird. They eat weird. They look weird. You know, sometimes we look weird in the morning when we wake up, and we don't know how we look to others. How have we been exclusive? How have I, in my thinking about other people, been e- e- exclusive? I, I went to the um, CIA fact book and looked up the ethnicities of Guam. And this is interesting. I love, I love looking at stuff like this. Guam is 37.3% Chamorro, 26.3% Filipino, 7% white, 7% Chukese, 2% Korean, other Pacific Islanders, 2%, other Asians, 2%, Chinese, 1.6%, Palauans, 1.6%, Japanese, 1.5%, Pompeians, 1.4 1.4 and mix 9.4 and others 0.6. Hmm, others. We need to reach others. So important. We have to learn not to be exclusive. We need to be inclusive. My last story. I was uh, discipled and mentored by an amazing guy from New Zealand. His name was Kel. And um, he was telling me a story about himself when he first went to the nation that God had called him to, and it happened to be the Philippines. He went there and knew that God had called him. He said, God, thank you for, call, for calling me. I am excited to serve you in that nation. Went to the Philippines, got there, and found out he did not like Filipino people at all. And he's talking to a Filipino, you know. He, he couldn't stand the way they ate, the way they talked, the way they looked. Just couldn't stand Filipinos. It's like, you know, sometimes I don't. No. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, you've called me here, God. you called me to this people, haven't you? And, and why do I feel like this? And so you know what Paul, Kel did? And sometimes, I'm sorry, but it does bring me to tears at times. He said, John, you know, I knew God had called me there. And I knew if I was going to stay here in this place to share the gospel, I needed a love for this people. So what I did, I found the chapel, and I locked myself in that chapel. And I prayed every day, God, give me a love for the Filipino people. Give me a love for these people. And I want, I'm not going to leave this place until you give me a love for this people. Kel prayed every day. He stayed there. He stayed there and stayed there. Until God suddenly one day, there was just this rush of love for the people God had called him to. He left the chapel. And Kel's, Kel served there for the next 20 years. And uh, he came to Guam even. And started a ministry here, a base here. And now he's in Myrtle Beach. He's, still, he's almost 70. He's 10 years older than me. He's now in Myrtle Beach. He started another ministry. Still 
taking the gospel to the nations. But that was a start. That was his first place of ministry. And so I say, you know, God, who are the people that you've called me to? It may not be people I love. It may not be people that I necessarily want to be with. I actually want this morning, and we are to be, be inclusive. I want us this morning to just take some time. If we could just bow our heads, close our eyes, and ask God this morning, God, who are the people you're calling me to? And Father, especially, who are the people that I have the, mo- the hardest time with? Who are the people that I just, it just irks me whenever I think of them? Father, give me a love for those people. Because I want to reach out to those people. Because you love them. Just take a little time right now and ask God. For the people that he's calling you to reach in 2020 that target people. Picture those people and then even pray for the person. It might be someone of your own race. Pray for the person that you don't like right now. Someone that you just have the hardest time with that needs Jesus. Picture them and take a little time right now and pray for them. Father, we ask that you would just reveal these things to us and give us a love for these people. As we go into 2020, we need a renewed call to be on mission with a God who is on mission. We need to join God's mission. We need to carry God's mission on deliberately. We need to be persistent. And we need to be inclusive of all the peoples that God loves. There's not a person that God doesn't love. And He could give that same love to us. Father, I thank You this morning that in 2020, You're marching in there. You're marching into this year, Father God, on a mission. Help us not to get left behind, Father. Help us not to neglect this great calling, this great commission that you put on us, Father. Help us to be deliberate. Help us to be persistent. Help us to be inclusive, Father God, of all that you're calling us to. Thank you for the opportunity, Father God, to bring all nations, all peoples, all tribes, all languages to you, Father God, in redemption. Give us a heart. Give us a passion for the nations again, Lord, for the islands, Father God for our neighborhoods, Lord, for our villages, the 17 villages of Guam, God. Each and every single village needs to be reached for you, Father God, and every person in it. Father, help us, Lord. Give us a passion again to join you on mission. Thank you, Father. Just put your hand on your heart and say, Father, again, I commit myself to join you in your mission, to join you in reaching the nations to join you in reaching this island, to join you in reaching my neighborhood, my neighbors, my family, my friends. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be part of this great commission that you call me to. In Jesus' name.